Welcome to the Internet Advisor Podcast. I'm your host and producer, Foster Brown. Along with my co-host, Gary Baker, and our team of experts, we've been helping people like you since 1998 with your computer problems, introducing you to valuable resources, and promoting tech enterprise throughout Michigan. The Internet Advisor is a two-hour podcast recorded every week at the studios of historic WJR Radio in Detroit. Both hours of the show are available each week on this podcast and are streamed to our affiliates across the state of Michigan. We're also proud to be part of Detroit's newest and fastest-growing podcast network, PodcastDetroit.com. And now, here are your hosts with this week's Internet Advisor. Welcome to the Internet Advisor, your place for answers to your computer questions since 1998, with your co-hosts Gary Baker and Foster Brown and their team of tech experts. The door is always open at internetadvisor.net, on Facebook and through Twitter. But right now it's time to get you in touch with your helpful hosts on this week's edition of Internet Advisor. Welcome to this week's Internet Advisor. My name is Foster Brown the co-host of the program, along with a whole bunch of other people here. Delighted to be back in studio with you, and this week we're looking forward to talking about Lighthouse Unmanned, a very specific phrase, and Sherma Krauskopf is me with us to talk about that. We'll also be talking about category design, a very important concept in establishing a new business and making sure that you control the way people think about it. All that coming up on the Internet Advisor. Welcome to Microphone Bingo <laughs> on Saturday afternoon here on WJ. No, I was Foster Brown and a whole bunch of people who have been here for a long time with me on the Internet Advisor. This is Gary Baker, and uh, <laughs> I told talk you about microphone. Microphone bingo. <laughs> anyway, Gary Baker here. I'm happy to be here this afternoon, and I'm really happy that you're here, Foster, uh, because no. 10 minutes before we were going on the oh, air dear. last week, I heard that you will not be there. Oh, and, dear. Uh, so... Glad that's, to have you limping, but here. That's why they call it an emergency room. Yeah, that's happens right. last minute. I certainly would have wished to be somewhere else. Eddie, good to have you here. Always good to be here, Foster. Hey, and before we get started, last week I wasn't here, and I guess I missed a heck of a show. But um, <laughs> Cal and I just had fun. We yeah. Just, <laughs> you know. yeah. I, I listened and, to part of it, but I wanted. To, I was at a wedding, and I wanted to congratulate Tim and Jennifer Jennison on their on their wedding. Excellent. So uh, that w- it worked out very well. That's Best excellent. steak I've had in years. Mm, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. And also in studio with us, I want to do quickly. Uh, Dean Krauskopf is with us from our program, of course. It just precedes us here on our flagship station, WJR, which is the gardening show. Dean, good to have you in here. It's good to see you again. Paul. Yeah, usually I'm, I'm used to listening to you the the as I'm driving in the the uh, hour before. It's nice to have you here on our show. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be here. Not that I know anything about the internet, the, the topic that you guys deal with, but it's always fun to listen they, to. They do have, like, plant information and, and tree information. <laughs> you know, someday on. we're going to have to revisit that. I think a couple of years ago we did a segment on that, and things have changed. Uh, you know, so that's, you know, that's an idea. That. Let's do that. Seriously, before this month is out, let's do that. All right. Because you're right, there are tremendous resources that are available online. As a matter of fact, a lot of the time when I listen to your show, you're referring people to your website and to the resources. There's a tremendous number of websites out there yeah. that are really good, and there are. As the whole thing about the internet is that you have to really be understand where that information is coming from if you can trust it. Doesn't make any difference if it's plants, people, or 
anything else. Yeah. You know what's so funny is my wife will listen to the hour before our show and then turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> because she's a gardener and she listens to you, Dee. Well, there you go. let's not go there since my wife is sitting next to me. Uh, I don't want to go there at all. All right. And speaking of better halves, Sharma Krauskopf is with us. Sharma, good to have you in studio here. You're you're okay. You don't have to press any buttons. Oh, okay. We actually we figured out our, our microphone bingo and you're on the air with us. Sharma's not only Dean's uh, wife, but actually in your own right. You are quite a uh, figure here on the internet. We had you in, must be about a year ago now, I think. It was almost exactly a year ago. Yeah, and at that time you were doing a crowdfunding project for a film that you were going to be developing on the lighthouses and the changes that they went through from being manned to unmanned. And we're here this week with you to talk a little bit later in the program about the fact that you are now on the road to doing it. Yes, we film starting uh, October 10th. Wow. Unfortunately, it had to leave the state of Michigan. Uh, the, the location for the filming, right? Yes, it did. Yeah, because some of those filming credits that were, or the... Uh, incentives. Incentives, thank you. They were there, got erased. Somebody thought that was a good idea. I don't... Well, we are like most movies. We have moved out of Michigan. Now, was it a good idea? No. I don't think so. I do not think so, and I think in the long run we're going to see that it was a very bad idea. But uh, not an irreversible one, I hope. In any case, in your case, we're going to talk a little bit more about that a little later on in the program uh, when we come back with Sharma. We'll talk about that. Uh, And we can also thank her for the cherries. I guess we'll thank... Dean for the cherries. And God for the cherries. Sharma for Dean the, cherry, the cherry muffins. <laughs> I, I take wonderful. responsibility for the cherry pits. <laughs> <laughs> Sharma is a wonderful baker, and oh, every yeah. week she uh, puts something special in the basket for us here, and we enjoy Great them. Today. Coming up, thank you. By the way, in uh, just a bit, we're going to be talking with David Peterson, uh, our first guest, who is um, an entrepreneur, and he is also kind of a coach, I think you could say, for entrepreneurs and um, an author as well of a book called Play Bigger about something called category design. Fascinating. That's right. Absolutely fascinating. And when my son saw it on my desk, um, because I was reading it, uh, he said, Play Bigger, that's what my coach always told me. He's really small and he plays lacrosse. And his Uh coach always said, you got to play bigger. You know, (laughs) And that's the concept for people coming on as as entrepreneurs or people who have websites to play bigger. Dave has a slightly different take on all of that. And it's around design you know, developing a category of a whole new product or service category yeah. and then how to, how to address it and, and own it. So we'll talk to him in the next uh, yep. next Yep, coming up in just a minute. You know, one of the things, just coming off a of vacation, and I was planning on talking about it, but there's so many things going on in the show today, I won't. But um, when I went on vacation, after leaving the ER room and went on vacation, um, I, I was surprised to find I had no connectivity yet. None whatsoever. You must have been in horrible pain. I was absolutely <laughs> physical, mental, and spiritual pain. And these guys are talking about that phenomenon on the air at that particular point. Yeah. Which, which no, made it, it's almost like not having, you know, no, it's nofomobia. No, what is it? Nofomobia? Mo, nofo. No mophobia. That's I don't know. Is this? No mophobia. You're getting no something else. No mophobia. <laughs> it's Never mind pain. about that. Yeah, it's it painful. Pain. But the problem was coming back out of that in some ways to the terrible disasters that are going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's almost like, you know, being somewhere on a deserted island and coming back and finding out that 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. You know, to see all the misery that's going on. And a lot of it happening online. One of the right. things that struck me as I got back online and started reading articles is that Facebook 
uh, you talk about Play Bigger, has become the unintended platform for live video now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that shooting that happened in Minnesota, um, that had the girlfriend of the man who was shot was, was taking a, a video immediately on her cell phone so that there's, there's content there. You're suddenly there in the scene, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And Facebook then has to deal with, do we want to have that kind of content on? And apparently they're deciding to not censor it, which I think probably is a right choice, but talk about play bigger. They're being thrust onto a much bigger playing field because of that. Maybe we can talk about that with David Peterson coming up in just a moment as we talk about category design and definitely all of the rest of us playing bigger on the Internet. Well, Gary, you uh, kind of gave us a cue for this, our guest who's going to be with us right now on uh, the Internet Advisor when he said your son was encouraged by his coach to play bigger and <laughs> to get out right. on the field and make a much bigger presence for yourself. And in essence, that is what our guest, David Peterson, from the company Category Design, is about doing. And his new book is called Play Bigger. David, welcome to the Internet Advisor. Hey, thank you for having me. So when I read your bio, David, I I saw all the cool things that you do, and it's a wonderful bio, and you play hard. Do you play bigger, too? <laughs> I try. I try. Uh, uh, you know, I was only granted with about, you know, being five foot eight, so I always I felt like I was playing a little smaller, so you have to have a different mindset. And I love that story about your son. Yeah. Uh, Actually, it actually ties into actually how we uh, came up with that whole notion of play bigger for our company. Um, one of our partners was trying to explain to somebody what we do, and we said, hey, we help people play a bigger game in their yeah. business and yeah. in their lives and in their mm-hmm. careers. One of us wrote it down, and that's how we ended up being called play bigger. So not, not, so, not, not unlike uh, uh, your son's coach. You know, but, they have to get a box for you for that portrait <laughs> of you and the other three guys, you know. <laughs> Or make that like the statement. That's the key statement to the program. Yeah, no kidding. So tell us, um, I mean, I, I read the book, but and it's a wonderful book, so I know the answer to this question. At least I think I do. But what's a, what, what do you mean by a category, a new category? Yeah, and uh, so the category and category design is nothing that we invented. It was something that has been done for... Uh, years, decades, uh, literally uh, over time. And it's all a notion of a uh, understanding a, a new marketplace and, a, as we like to say, kind of a new uh, container in your head for making decisions. And I'll, I'll give you a couple examples to make yes, this uh, real. So, uh, I don't know, you guys seem pretty happy today. Anybody had a five-hour energy before you jumped on air? No, no, thank you. <laughs> I, okay. I do know the former president. Oh, well, <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, let me give an example of what a category is. Uh, so five-hour energy, and we all see those, right, at the mm-hmm. retail uh, point of sale or gas stations. That's a new category. It's called the energy shot. And, oh, uh, yeah. Right? And uh, the, the, the founder of that company was trying to solve a basic insight that says, just because I'm tired doesn't mean I'm thirsty, mm-hmm. which means uh, the old category of solutions for being tired was a cup of coffee in the afternoon or a big can of yuck, you know, Mountain Dew or right. Red Bull or some other chemical. I love and that yuck. So, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I'm actually a fan of five-hour energy. Believe it or not, I don't know what it's in it, but it, it actually does its job. But they created a new category that says, here's an energy shot. It's in a different place, a different category, a different location in the grocery store or the, uh, you know, you notice it's not stocked next to Red Bull. It's up next to the counter. Right. And it's a different choice. 
you know, for a consumer, right? Uh, th- that's one example. Uh, and then if you read the book, uh, you, you remember the bird's eye story, right? Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. Frozen and, foods. And, didn't, didn't, and I, I always thought that they, they just kind of grew on trees. I, I, cause I grew up with or them. in freezers or in freezers. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. And, and so I always say grocery stores are the best example of the category, organic, mm. cage free, uh, frozen food, right. all the different, <laughs> right. These things were not. Uh, by uh, didn't happen by chance. Somebody decided there's going to be an organic section. It's going to cost you twice as much, and you really <laughs> yes. don't know why, right? <laughs> it's got dirt on it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So categories, there's a new category in your head. It's like, wow, because it's organic, I'm going to pay, you know, 10 bucks for that loaf of bread. Still don't know why. It doesn't really taste that good, but I'm still going to do it. <laughs> and somebody conditioned you to believe that bread is different in a different aisle in the grocery store, in a different place in your head, and therefore you might pull more dollars out of your wallet to buy it. So let me ask this. Um, you know, obviously, Uber is a category killer. Yeah, I was just uh, thinking And you mentioned that in the book. And you mentioned Amazon, certainly category killer. Um, right. But, you know, you think of something like iPhone and iPad. Well, iPhone and iPad a little bit, but the um, iPod, they weren't the first, but aren't they category killers too? Yeah, and uh, you made a couple uh, really key points there. Just being first isn't the recipe for success. Uh, Uh Facebook was not first. uh, There was Tribe.net, there was Friendster, there were uh, MySpace. A lot of people came in, but they, they didn't ultimately solve uh, the bigger problem that Facebook solved by connecting the entire world not versus niche tribes of people interested in affinity topics. Mm-hmm. So being first isn't the recipe for being the you know the king of the category, um, but so it's wh- certainly uh, you know a, 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 you know a, 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 I think a myth actually in the technology industry first mover advantage things like that gives you the best chance to win. Actually, we don't believe that's true. It's solving the biggest problem gives you the biggest chance to win. And typically, when you see companies like Facebook or Uber or Amazon, you know, ultimately, they're solving the biggest problem. And therefore, they have the biggest potential for being that, what we call a category king, you know, the company that kind of runs away with all the, all the goods. So what are, what are some of the key elements, then, in the short time that we have? I mean, people can certainly pick up the book and get all... There's a it's whole a process, there's, yeah, and there's a whole process involved in it. And it's an easy read. And what I like Makes about sense. it, too, as you said, Gary, is it's, it's not just about businesses, but about personal life, too. Mm-hmm. And the way, right. like your son and your son with lacrosse, or uh, just people in, in general. But what, what are some... Let's give, give me, like, two keys, if you would, David, and I, this is terrible radio, but, I mean, just two keys to playing bigger and whatever your category happens to be. Yeah, and I, I would say this applies to anybody. You have to work in the tech industry. You don't even have to necessarily be in business. Uh, the first key is the insight. There's not a company on the planet that we see today that didn't start with a founder's insight. And that insight, it's like Uber. I don't want to hail uh, uh, taxi cabs in the cold, rainy night anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to ride in one of those sedans. I need to find a way to fix this problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so if you have a burning insight, and I call it, you know, those pet peeves, something that really, really irks An you. An itch. Start there. Yeah. An itch. An itch and an insight. Ask yourself the next question, what problem uh, is causing this itch or this insight? What problem would I like to solve? Mm. And every category on the planet and every big company like the Facebooks, the Ubers, et cetera, they all started by solving a problem that came from that insight. And the greatest thing now in this today's world is 
you don't need to live in the Silicon Valley to start a business, right? You can oh, yeah. start your business online. Yep. You can you, you can literally it's ubiquitous. You can you can take your big idea or that itch and turn it into a plan and ultimately uh, a product that you could take out to the market and have as good a chance as anybody to become those category leaders. It's, it's, it's kind of but follow those insights. Yeah, David, David Peterson, our guest here, uh, his book is called Play Bigger about category design. It's really kind of a democratization. De- Let me try that again. Democratization <laughs> of uh, the entrepreneurial model. It, it's everybody, anybody can do it. So what, I mean, what if you try and fail? Are there, exa- there's probably examples of, of ones that have failed. Yeah, I'm actually an expert at failing, so I've done a lot of that in my life. Uh, and uh, um, I think, you know, the, the uh, what do they say in, in the Valley, uh, or the tech industry, failure is not a problem, it's a feature, right? You learn. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, it, again, it just starts with that uh, commitment. Right to say I am going to find a way to solve this problem. Uh, one of my favorite stories that we researched was around Clarence Birdseye, who was the inventor of Birdseye Frozen Foods, which created the frozen food category. And he literally went from watching uh, the the locals, you know, catch fish in northern Canada, throw it down on the ice, freezing fish, taking that idea back experimenting on vegetables to see whether or not they are tasted just as fresh or just as nutritious frozen, mm-hmm. convincing grocers to put uh, uh, freezers in their uh, grocery stores, and convincing yeah. the transportation industry to create freezer box cars and trucks. Small feet. That's, that's <laughs> My <laughs> you know? goodness, you're right. Holy mackerel. Yeah, and he did all that. I think he actually had to convince DuPont to invent cellophane to wrap up the food oh after my, you eat it. Oh, my goodness. And so I don't know, there's no school that I know of that you can go to that would teach you how to think of all the different dependencies and how to make all that happen. I think it all comes from within. And, and if so you're committed to solve the problem, yeah. you got as good a shot as anybody. David, that's fascinating. And the book, by the way, has so much more to it. So I previously, just look for it. It's called Play Bigger. David Peterson is our, our guest here and also one of the authors. And uh, the whole concept of category design is absolutely fascinating. David, thank you so much for being with us and for whetting our appetite for this uh, new category of thought here. <laughs> Welcome back. It's the Internet Advisor, Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and Ed Riddell in studio here along with a very special guest, a couple of very special guests, the Krauskoffs, and that's uh, Dean Krauskoff, who was the uh, Dr. Dean Krauskoff of our WJR Gardening Show. And uh, in this particular case, we're going to teach you, Dean, your better half, Sharma, your wife. It's probably more than better than half. Somebody <laughs> that knows us will <laughs> Sharma's with us. Sharma Krauskoff, a year ago, roughly, uh, we had you on to talk about uh, using the Internet to... Uh, in, at that time in the state of Michigan to Crowdsource, right? create a movie. Yeah. And the movie was going to be, the theme was going to be about the change that took place in uh, these Great Lakes states and as, well, around the United States but from the manned lighthouses and that whole culture to the unmanned lighthouses. And uh, in the process, in this last year, lots changed and a lot of it's happened on the internet. But first of all, welcome. Thank you. And the project continues. Yes, it does. It it, I thought it was dead. Um, when Michigan got rid of their film incentives, we were ready to film in Ouch. the thumb area. And um, we had a budget, and the budget had included the incentives because, you know, we're a sure. uh, low-budget movie. No incentives, no movie. Right. 
and uh, we had to go and tell the community that it wasn't going to happen. Mm. And, you know, at that point, I had to reconsider, do I want to bat my head against this wall again, or what do I want to do? You want to play bigger. Yes. <laughs> I, and I want to I talk about that, because uh, we're an independent movie. Yep. And uh, we have a motto at our independent movie, and it's called, we're not big, but we're mighty. <laughs> and the big in the movie industries are the studios. Yes, They've been here forever. Everybody yeah. knows them. Everybody knows that if it comes from a studio, it's a big deal. Well, that's something that we have to battle every day. Sure. And um, so basically, that is a handicap. But there yeah. are lots of really good independent movies out there. But they mm-hmm. have to find their niche. And they have to market themselves to a category. And our category happens to be lighthouses and people who love the shorelines. Oh, and, and in this state of Michigan, and especially throughout the, our listening area, the Midwest, it's just, they're just incredible. That's right. I remember uh, a really cute little story about a fairly new uh, freighter captain mm-hmm. uh, in the fog one night um, coming down Lake, uh, Lake Huron and uh, uh, seeing another light. That, and he said, you know, got on his his radio and he said give way i'm a thousand foot laker <laughs> and uh <laughs> and and the response was you give way i'm a lighthouse <laughs> actually that is the true true yeah. thing that but happens a lot a, there's another point there that these people were the first responders right and yes. i think that's another thing about the movie that says you know that part of the you unless get, you're into this and have really done the research you don't realize that yes they were the first people on and they rescued lives and many of the lighthouse keepers who made the rescues it's the famous you have to go out you don't have to come right, back right, exactly. <laughs> from 1999 to uh, 2002 i was a host of a program called great lakes ports of call that was on uh, pbs and we generally did a feature on the lighthouses of all the ports around like Michigan, like Huron, et cetera, et cetera. And the life-saving stations were a key part of that. Yes. Because it was not just the tower there. It was also the life-saving station yeah. that was connected to it. And the stories of what those people had done in storms. Oh, I mean, just incredible stories. So I want to get to how the Internet has been part of helping you move the movie now to its new location in New York. Okay. Um, when we finally got the nerve up to try again uh, <laughs> and... Uh, we decided that one of the things that I didn't want to do was to change the script. So I went to the Internet, and I looked for lighthouses that were on Great Lakes because the Great Lakes Lighthouse functions a little bit differently than mm-hmm. ocean lighthouses. And we had lived at an ocean lighthouse, so we knew oh, that. That's right, yes, in Scotland. Yeah, in Scotland. And so uh, we went to the Internet, and I started by finding a place that gave a good incentive that was stable. And there were two that were close to us. One was Ontario and the other one in Canada because they have a good incentive program. And the other was New York. Mm. So Dean and I got in our little car and took off. And we went up to the Bruce's Peninsula in Ontario. Absolutely magnificent area. Oh, Oh, just absolutely gorgeous. And the lighthouses we looked at were fantastic. and then we went back and went across down by Niagara Falls into New York. And 
we started with Buffalo and we looked around there and again we found some beautiful lighthouses and it became a matter of you know which would be the easiest for mm-hmm. us to deal with well we decided it would be easier to deal with our own country and so we decided yes. because of just the location and the things right, that right. had to be sure. done so we chose New York and we met with the film commissioner in Buffalo and we picked out some lighthouses and we went to see them. Then I was back on the internet looking at these lighthouses and seeing exactly what they were all about and what was happening. And we uh, chose two. Um, one was 30 Mile Point, which is up uh, between uh, Buffalo and uh, Rochester on the lake. Mm-hmm. And the other one was Dunkirk Lighthouse, which is south of Buffalo. I I like Dunkirk. It was a beautiful, beautiful place. It was a beautiful lighthouse. But right beside it was an ugly power plant. And so I wasn't too sure about that. Smelly neighbors. We went up to 30 Mile Point. Noisy neighbors. Noisy neighbors, too, yeah. We went up to 30 Mile Point, and we really liked it. But I couldn't find any housing in the area for cast and crew. Oh, boy. So I was back to Dunkirk. And... um, so we went down there and spent some time, and um, we decided we were going to use Dunkirk Lighthouse. It's a Victorian house, beautiful, beautiful place. You just have to not film towards the power plant. And um, something remarkable started to happen, and that is I, – I have to share this because this is how you get big. Okay. Is the community bought into it. That's it. They bought into it in such a way that it would absolutely amaze you. You're shaking your head, Dean. It was amazing, huh? Well, you know, part of the cost, we don't have a big budget, is locations. And if Mm -hmm. you have to rent a spot, we have had absolutely no cost. People have donated. They've actually closed their businesses for a period of time. Oh, you want to shoot? No problem. Come in. We'll close. I love it. Every support you need. Uh, The police chief says we will be there for security. Fire department's got their rescue boats out because we're doing a thing in the water. They will be there. It's amazing. The other thing is, the only problem is, everybody in the town wants to be an extra. (laughs) And I don't know how we're going to work that. (laughs) That moves on to something else then, Sharma. And by the way, there is so much to tell to the story, and we'll make sure that there's a... Let's talk about a website that people can go to to follow the progress of okay, your movie, the, which is going to be called Unmanned Lighthouse. Yes, we renamed it. Uh, oh, Lighthouse Unmanned, pardon me. Uh, we renamed it because basically Keepers was a Michigan project, and we wanted to just kind of close that door. And there is a, a line in the script uh, where we're talking to the Coast Guard, and the uh, assistant keeper has to go out to do a ship re- ship re- rescue. And um, the... Coast Guard dispatcher says, okay, lighthouse unmanned. Uh, Which is actually the top or the way they would say it because we had to run it past the Coast Guard. Is this accurate? They said, yep, that's what we say. Mm. And yeah, because you have to have your uh, anything to do with the Coast Guard has to go through the Hollywood Coast Guard office to be approved. And and that was. So we picked up that because that's exactly what happened. The lighthouses were unmanned. And that is really kind of the crux of the whole movie then. Yes. The, the movie has kind of two themes. Our theme is we wanted to honor lighthouse people. And, the keepers themselves and their families. Yeah. yeah, and their families. I say people because their families. We have some oh. horror stories about some of the wives and what they went through. And then we uh, 
The other part of it is that it's a modern story. Woven in be- in this story is what's going on around us today. And on our uh, Indiegogo campaign, I do a, a introduction, and I say, how many of you used to read a print newspaper? Oh, yes, sir. And how many of you read a print newspaper now? Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about the fact that behind that are people who oh, have lost oh, their jobs? Typesetters and... And I have a good example of that. When we were looking at lighthouses, we went to Rochester and and met with the Lighthouse Board in Rochester, New York. And uh, the man sitting in front of me said, I know what this is. I worked at Kodak, and I was a vice president, and I'm no longer a vice president. Oh, boy. Talk about a perfect example of that. Sharma, we're going to take a quick pause here. Sharma Kraskov is with us. The movie is called Lighthouse Unmanned. We're talking about the tale of putting that together, and we're going to get a little more detail about how she's been using the Internet to uh, run scripts by, to audition people as well by Skype, and all that coming back up on the Internet Advisor in just a moment. A tip of the hat to our folks behind the glass, Mike Stetzer, engineer, and Logan Stander for our producer. Thank you, folks, very much for helping us. And coming up in just a few moments, we're going to have Mike Brennan on to talk about uh, the MI Tech News headlines and one about a very good friend of ours who's taking on a new position. Before we get there, though, I want to wrap things up. Sharma Krauskopf is with us, and she is the director now, I understand, Sharma. That's yeah, the new title, got- huh? I got promoted. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. The director works for me, and I'm that director. Okay. It's a, that's, that's, that's low and budget you, independent movies. If you think there's a husband, I'm going to touch that line. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> the movie's called Lighthouse Unmanned. And we're, Smart there's man. just so many things that have been involved on the internet, which is fascinating about this. And I wish we had more time to talk about in detail about, for instance, you're auditioning people on Skype. Yeah, we've uh, got all of our cast by Wonderful. using a internet uh, place called Backstage where actors list their names, show pictures, have reels where we can go through them and, and weed them out. And we started out with 2,000 at one time. And then we got down to uh, two or three. And then we started interviewing them on, we used Uvu, which is one of the talk right. places. And right. then we used Skype. And uh-huh. we're using Skype now. And I was laughing because it was so nice to be here because I was I had some... Um, Auditions scheduled this afternoon. I've been doing <laughs> auditions all week, so it was nice to get away a from it. A little them. bit of a break from it. Yeah. yeah, and we also use it to check references. Sure. So, you know, these people we, we haven't met, but we have all the information that you would get. Sure. And it's much easier for the actors because they basically don't have to go anyplace. Uh, that's right. That's true. That's they right don't true. have to stand no. in line in a casting call. They don't have to do all of that. Anybody lined up that we would be familiar with or who have been in other... No, uh, we don't have the money for that. Oh, oh I see. Okay, so... <laughs> we're, 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 we're big. We're not big. We're mighty. I got it. Uh, <laughs> so the, uh, uh, the other part of this whole thing is that I want to say something that I, I think is really important here. Making a movie is one of those things that we were talking about on the telephone. It's a big task. Oh, yeah. But you couldn't do it without the Internet. And uh, we make the computer a villain in Lighthouse Unmanned because it takes the jobs away. yeah. But, you know, the good technology is also something that needs to be focused on, and it makes the world very small. Our distribution plans include 15,000 
nonprofit groups, which are all over the world, because lighthouses are any place that they have big bunches of of water. And we're going to make them, not make them, we're going to help them distribute the movie. I love it. And they are going to make money off of it for their lighthouse, and we are going to get our movie out. And that is made possible by internet. I was talking to a man in Germany, and he can't wait. Yep. Uh, so that's what that's, it's all about. It's an international kind of thing. Sharma, uh, let's give a, a website that people can use to follow the progress of um, your uh, your movie as it's being developed. And we are going to also follow it here on the air. Um, I'm going to see if I can give it to you folks. We'll put it on the website as well. IGG, which is Indiegogo. Right. Crowdfunding. IGG.me and then it's slash AT slash LU. And that is short for Indiegogo.com, LighthouseUnmanned.com. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, they can just go to Indiegogo, Indiegogo.com. It's a fundraising site. And search for Lighthouse Unmanned. Okay. Or, and well, we'll have this link up on our yep. website by the we'll end of the day. We'll get it up by, by the and end of the day. And that particular link links to everything. I'd like to our website, it give, you know, to the emails, to us. And you'll also, I'm really proud of it. We have a dog actor, and he is. <laughs> we have a green room on the that, and he's our star this month and in, I love it. and uh, this week, and and everybody is loving Roscoe. So <laughs> you'll have some fun watching how you rehearse a dog to get into boxes. Well, <laughs> I love it. You know, we have Mike Brennan with us right now, who is the editor of MI Tech News. And Mike, I, I thank you for being with us. You know, we have you on talking very often about the headlines at MITechnews.com. And there's one headline this week that I want you to focus on because it's about an old friend of ours, Richard Steenan. And uh, it's under the headline of a, a very important job change in his life. He, Richard Steenan is now, uh, you have a press release there that you, re- you relate to, the chief strategy officer at Blanco Technology Group. Tell us a little bit more about the company that he's moving to. Well, I wasn't that familiar with it myself, so I did a little bit of homework. And what it boils down to is they're a very unique kind of company so that when you want to turn your smartphone or your your laptop or your tablet in or whatever uh, mobile device in, what they do is they essentially destroy all the data on it so nobody else can harvest all your personal right. information. Right. So it's a real niche kind of company, uh, but it's still, they're selling a billion smartphones a year around the world, so I think there might be a market for that, right? I tell you, what's fascinating is I began, as you said, to dig through it was to find out that their specialty is destroying data, not keeping it. And uh, there's a there's a great logic to that, you know, that part of the problem is that people will keep data around, companies will keep data around for a long time, but won't bother to get rid of it properly. And Richard now is part of that uh, company. And so we wanted to congratulate Richard Steenan, our old friend and uh, frequent guest here talking about security. Hopefully we'll be able to continue that in the future. He is going to be now with Blanco Technology Group and congratulations to him. Uh, you know, one of the other things you do with MI Tech News is not just talk about the uh, technology news and entrepreneurial news that are going on in the state, but you also put some of the analysis in there. And it was rather an interesting piece of analysis in there about Michigan's economy being at a crossroads. Yeah, we've really put a lot of money over the last 10, 15 years into innovation, into uh, life sciences, into all sorts of technology companies. But that money's pretty much dried up. Uh, the, the current legislature is just not interested in quote, what they call corporate welfare, unquote. Very bad uh, strategy. Same thing with the movie uh, industry. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I just want to go up there and, you know, say, I know. hey, 
You know, so, but anyway, because I'm a big supporter of, you know, building technology here yep. in Michigan so we keep people in Michigan. All those really smart kids that are coming out of Michigan State and Michigan yep. and all these other schools, they're, they're just, if you don't give them the opportunity, they go to Chicago, they go to L.A., they go someplace else. Someplace else, period. And so, we, yeah, we need to, that, that money to, see, to build these companies to keep these people in the state. Well, yeah, Sharma, and so that money just comes from us, right? It's just taxes. they got to raise taxes. Yeah, <laughs> they just got to raise taxes in order to do all this. That's or well, allocate them. As, you, as much money as you make, Gary, that's no big deal for you. You can be a couple companies, Well, that right? was kind of my point was that do we all, and I was thinking of all of us, do we all yeah. want to pay a little more taxes I, to do this? And maybe yeah. we do. But I think it also has to do with the allocation from. of the money as well. And that, of course, is an ongoing debate. The nice thing, by the way, folks, about MI Tech News is that you get to kind of take a peek into that because I know you with, is it Goinger News Services that you also tap into? Uh, Godward News. Godward, yeah. pardon me. Uh, yeah, right, right. And so there's a lot of political analysis that you can lead people to. It's kind of a neat news service, folks. It's, uh, you know, and of course, not necessarily all news headlines that you see um, everywhere else on the internet. It's some very specific ones about Michigan and about entrepreneurship here. And it's all free. comes to you simply by going to mitechnews.com and putting in your email address and your name, and you're on your way. Mike Brennan, thanks again for being with us. And we'll look forward to continuing with you on the Internet Advisor and also look forward to catching up with you and uh, Matt Rausch on the M Squared TechCast that's coming to the Podcast Detroit Network on Monday afternoons at 3 p.m. Thanks for being with us, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Professor. Always a pleasure. Take care. Mr. Mike Brennan. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick pause. Again, thanks to Sharma Crosscroft and Dean for being with us. And we're going to step out, and then we're going to make Ed go to work. He's been our silent partner here. Ed and Gary will start answering some of your questions about your computers at 800-859-0957. Now, that's the next hour of the show. And shame on you if you don't use the opportunity to get an answer to some of the things that have been bugging you about your computer. Dean's already done it here behind the can- behind the microphones. <laughs> and you can do it simply by calling us at 800-859-0957. Coming up in this next hour. You're listening to a podcast of the Internet Advisor Show. To see the show notes for this program, visit our homepage, theinternetadvisor.net. You'll discover past podcasts, our free toolkit with software to clean up your computer and keep it running strong, and many other resources. You'll also find links to MITechnews.com, our co-sponsored weekly tech and entrepreneur newsletter, edited by Mike Brennan. If you have a question for our hosts, just click the contact button on the homepage and send us an email with the details. And don't forget to look for us on Facebook and Twitter and at Detroit's newest podcast network, podcastdetroit.com. Now let's get back to the second hour of the Internet Advisor. Hello there, Foster Brown, welcoming you to the second hour of the Internet Advisor. And that is the one where traditionally, Gary Baker and I and our tech experts have been waiting here to answer your questions. So it works when you call with your questions about your computer. It might be about your email. It might be about uh, installing that darn Windows 10 update. Whatever it may be, here's the number, 800-859-0957. Lines are open right now. Give us a call right away, and we'll get to answering your question. 
Welcome to hour number two of the Internet Advisor. Thanks to Mike Stetz and Logan Stantifer, who are our team behind the glass waiting to talk with you. And that number that you call in to get your question on the air this afternoon is 800-859-0957. So if you're listening in suburban Cleveland or maybe down someplace in Indiana or up in Michigan, anywhere you may be within the sound of our voices here at WJR 760 AM, the flagship station for the Internet Advisor, uh, please feel free to give us a call right now at 800-859-0957. That's our toll-free number. Ed Verdell standing by. He's got all sorts of answers. And as a matter of fact, you've been answering during this week. I've, yeah, I've answered a few emails. It really slows down in the summertime. Oh, and I'm going to be on vacation. So while I'm on the beach, <laughs> I'm, I do write emails. So. He does. He does write emails. But right now, catch him before he puts his sunscreen on and heads out to studios, okay? <laughs> the number again is 800 800- Eight five nine zero nine five seven, and by the way, we say this all the time, but it's it is serious. Call early because, and near the end of the program, we run out of time. We don't have the you know the time to to take to answer the question and get more background on your question in order to be able to answer accurately. So the earlier you chime in with your question the better it is for you because we will be able to take the time to get all the details we need in order to be able to give you some answers and uh, make sure that other people who are listening do that too. If you're driving by or you maybe just bumped into this program, we're here from 4 until 6 every Saturday afternoon called the Internet Advisor, Gary Baker, my co-host. I'm Foster Brown and Ed Rudell is here today. Cal Carson off. But... Um, but hey, there's a Prime Day coming up. Yeah. Well, second annual. First one wasn't... Uh wasn't so good, um, but what it is is anybody that has Amazon Prime, uh, they say that this year there are now over a hundred thousand deals, and that those deals rival the deals that you would get on Black Friday just before the Christmas shopping season. So, what is, so, what is an Amazon Prime, Ed? What's a Prime a Prime? Uh, Prime membership. You get uh, free two day shipping. You get Amazon Video, and. Uh, um, Ninety nine bucks a year. Ninety nine bucks a year. Right, and, and, and you know it's yeah. it's been. I, I get my money out of worth oh, out easy. of it oh, every year, and it's great for parents that have kids at college. Where my son says, uh, "You know, I'm running out of food. I just mail him a a, a, car, a, a case of uh, Cliff bars or something like that, <laughs> and then a, a gross of toilet paper. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> the essentials, in other words, yeah. it, work, it works great for parents with kids in yeah. college. Just yeah. I don't have to drive out there. There yeah. you go. Yeah, oh, good yeah. point. Well, it's supposedly it's supposed to be better this year. Um, we'll wait and see. Uh, I heard uh, Rick Breuder quoted. Um, oh yeah, our cheapskate, our cheapskate guy, and and basically he said, you know what, there are, there are Black Friday like deals anywhere on the net yeah. any ge- given day of the year. But this is 100,000 of those deals, and they're all in one place, and you just go to Amazon Prime, but only if you have a Prime membership. So you know, look around, and, and if it uh, it looks like you're going to get a chunk of money back by if by you know buying something that they have on sale, yeah. go get a Prime membership if you don't have one. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, July, it's this Monday, July 12th. July 12th, right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... Is that, I wonder if there's a way of shopping beforehand. Probably not. You know, it's not like there's flyers like yes, you can, you can. Go you go, well, I tell you how what you can do. You can go into your wish yeah. list, create you know into your. Oh yeah, yeah. I have a continuing wish list. Oh, I so have. do I. And then from that wish list, you can check and see if there's something in there that you want. We've been looking for a, a small vacuum cleaner, and I found one for an incredible price. Uh, uh, you got a dog? Yes. <laughs> yes, a little white dog who sheds. I'm, that thing sheds its body weight, I think. Oh, no, uh, I so. meant the dog is the vacuum cleaner. Oh, That's yeah. what I meant. <laughs> yeah. Yes and, and yes. Okay. Well, you know, the one thing, though, it's not 
like Gary said, it's it's out of hundred thousand items. So if I'm looking for my my uh, uh, you know my vibe, my Pontiac vibe AC compressor clutch kit, I don't think I'm going to find that on there. Probably not. It's one hundred twenty nine dollars <laughs> on Amazon right now. I've been so waiting for it to go down. Like a deal anyway. It, it, it is. It but, is. But anyway, yes. So and it's Tuesday the twelfth. Oh, Tuesday. Yeah, okay, thank Tuesday you, Gary. The Tuesday the twelfth. And I, my my thought, um, Gary, is that it it will be a hit. It's it's dest- it's designed primarily for prime users, and that I think what they're going to do is look at the data of what prime we prime users have been buying, and then put a nice value on those items in order to stimulate that, and also to have other people look and say, "Gee, if the prime users are getting that kind of a deal, and it only costs me ninety nine oh, bucks true. a year." I'll take a membership on. You know, and most smart TVs come with Amazon Prime already installed on the smart TV. So on my smart TV, I could just click on it. You have Netflix on there. I can use Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. I I can integrate it with my Xbox 360 or or Xbox. What's the new one? The the new Xbox Xbox. One. Xbox One. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I could could stream games. So my daughter loves playing her games on a a 60-inch TV, I'll tell you, Mm -hmm. wirelessly. And we probably get our money back just in movies. Yes. Right. Yes, absolutely. And, and a wonderful selection. And this is happening more and more. What I find is that the uh, both Netflix and Amazon are having original movies. Original content, yes. Original content that is outstanding. First-rate film, first-rate acting. It's, you know, not a hack. Um, my that, lo- Jenny loves watching, my wife loves watching the Hallmark Channel. Those scripts are so predictable. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of, you know, repeating... Occasionally they have Heartstrings. some heartstrings. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, or their mysteries now are getting a little better. Okay, but the <laughs> nice thing about chick yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. not just chick- the Amazon videos that are out there are astounding. And when my wife was going through the chemo and the recovery and stuff right. like that, she watched a lot of movies. Oh, and yeah. it, um, yes, and so, but it's summertime now, so we're watching Tigers and we stain the deck. I've repainted the doors, <laughs> so I'm not too much TV now. But I'll come fall and winter, I'll be watching Amazon That's Prime again. Right. So, all right, folks, listen. We don't want to take up a lot of time talking about us and what we're doing here and things in the news. If you've got a question to ask, butt in. Call 800-859-0957 right now. And remember, our mantra is the only dumb question is the one you don't ask. You have a unique opportunity here. It's been going on for 18 years to ask a question on a Saturday afternoon to some very smart people who have had their hands on technology for many, many years and see if we can get some help for you. Don't feel that you're too dumb and all the question is. Give us a call. Standing by, waiting for your calls at 800-859-0957. It's the lazy, hazy days of summer, and we often experience this. That, uh, people are out there kind of thinking, ah, this hammock's so nice, the lemonade's so nice. Eh. Go ahead. Get your phone out. Give us a call, 800-859-0957. We have about uh, 40 minutes left, and I'd love to take some calls and get some answers for you. And again, the only dumb question is the one you don't ask. It helps lots of people when you ask these questions. And by the way, just a quick reminder for you folks, we're going to do this every week until it happens. July the 29th is the deadline. That's the last time you will be able to download Windows 10 from Microsoft free. After that, the cost goes up to $119.99. That's $119.99 it will cost you after that. Well, that's not exactly true. So you could download Windows 10 anytime and you get a free 30 days. Okay. 
But then within that 30 days, you do have to pay and register. Yep. Right. And so if you, don't down, if you don't download it before the 29th, you don't get it free. You can get it free for 30 days and then you'll have to pay. But if you do it before the 29th of July, you get it free forever. Right. And this is the last version right. of the operating system that Microsoft will put out. Mm-hmm. So they're just going to upgrade this one from now on. Right, exactly. Right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so you will end up by you will end up with this version at some point. You'll just pay for it if you wait. You know that's a very good point, uh, folks. You're you're not you're not dodging the bullet and you know forever with with Microsoft on this. Right. Eventually, you're going to have to face the fact that your Vista or Windows XP or whatever that's been faithful to you or Windows Seven will eventually be cycled out. As it stands right now, uh, I don't think they're servicing Vista anymore. XP for sure XP's is gone. Not, I don't know when Vista's. And is Vista ends. still being serviced? I you think know? it is. Yeah, Vista's still being serviced. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know when the uh, deadline is to when they stop servicing them. Okay. And Should then, have been a long time ago, but it's not. Exactly. Anyway. But but the, the reality of it is, and, and I know we get called on this because people have had problems with the install, and they've had problems with software that, that doesn't work as well as it should on it. You might as well do it. Because if, if you're going to stick with Microsoft and that platform, and it's going to be the one that services up a billion or more computers around the world in enterprise and, and, and homes, you're going to upgrade now because there are so many improvements that Windows 10 makes. All right, let's uh, head out to Paul, who's listening to us on our podcast. Welcome to Paul. How you doing? Welcome to the Internet Advisor. Good. Good. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing very well, sir. What can we do for you? Well, uh, I have a friend who has... Um, a Mac uh, laptop, um, probably four or five years old. Okay. And um, she had a relative send a video via Dropbox mm-hmm. to her. Mm-hmm. And so she clicked on the uh, thing to pick it up and um, got absolutely nothing. So I was over there and I said, well, okay, well, let's see what we can do. And I know nothing about Dropbox, but uh, anyhow, went to Dropbox site and downloaded Dropbox, installed it, and so now we get the um, the uh, beach ball spinning and spinning and uh, can't hmm. play the video. Hmm. What version of uh, Microsoft's operating system are you working with on that, oper- on that uh, laptop? I'm not entirely sure. Um, One of the later like- ones? Seems like it seems like Snow Leopard, maybe ten point something or other. Uh, yeah, he did say it was a Mac, not a Windows system. I know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I'm Mac. thinking. I, I I have a Mac system, but I'm using the latest, um, you know, of the um, the El Capitan, the the latest of the in- installs. I have Dropbox and I have it online. And as you said, when you download it to your computer, all it does is it puts a a folder on your computer, so you can simply take uh, data, uh, you know, files and drag them into that box on right. your computer, and it syncs up then with the Internet. Um, I've used it as a way of uh, transferring files, large files, to people, and I can't remember, though, whether I have tried to use any movies. So your problem, or his problem right now, is that they cannot run the movies that they have on that Dropbox? Yeah, a relative uh, out of state uh, yeah, okay. wanting to share something, so they put it in Dropbox and emailed her the link. And, yep, uh, that's the way it works. It and, yeah, now clicked on it, and uh, it's just spinning and spinning. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And, and now, would you know what type of media format that is? Is it a 
is it a quick time movie is it an mp4 do you do you, you know i believe it said mp4 on it okay so natively that operating system should, should be able to play that quick quick time should play it yeah so but what are there alternate video players that you've used on your mac that they could potentially try like vlc vlc is one yep vlc media player that you can download for free mm-hmm. it works on pc or mac and it plays most video formats um it's a it's just a it's one of the philosophies we use you know instead of using uh I, you could probably use iMovie on your pc on your mac to play it but you can also use the vlc media player yep, yep. right um so having more than one program to play video content or browser to browse the internet is usually always a good idea. The other thing I'm thinking of, Paul, is that the, the you may have, in order to get that file from the Dropbox, I, I know when you go up to it and you, you click share, for instance, let's say you've got the movie file in the Dropbox, right? Okay. Uh, it appears to be. You've got the little triangle that you click on to play it. Well, what I'm saying is you go online to Dropbox, to their account. Am I right? They can go onto their account online. So you use the web browser and you navigate yep. to the Dropbox or you use the application to go to the Dropbox. Right. Right? It would be like Dropbox.com, whatever their entry was, right? Okay. Okay. And then they should, when they're on there, be able to see that movie file. And then you'll see when she clicks on it that there is to the right a button that says share. And when you click on share, it gives you various ways of sharing it. And I think one of them is to send a link and it may be that the link that was sent to you is damaged, I'm guessing. So that the link that was sent to you or anybody else to download is damaged. And uh, I would go back up and try to do it again. It could be damaged because it was changed. So they sent them the link, then they maybe renamed the file or the movie to make it a little more easy to read. Like this is the video with this file name. And, and they, if they change the file name, then the link they sent you was invalid. Yeah. So one way to test this, obviously, is then turn around and send that link to a box you know will work and see if you can play it on that box, mm-hmm. yeah. right? See mm-hmm. if that, so that way you can test to see if the link goes to the yeah. right place. We're guessing that the problem is in the link on Dropbox and in the naming of the file on Dropbox, right. not necessarily on that Apple computer. Because if it has a MP4 uh, um, ending or .mov, it should play simply and natively in Quick Player, uh, QuickTime. Mm-hmm. Well, at one point, it did say cannot open QuickTime. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, then it sounds... Go ahead. If, if it said it couldn't open QuickTime or it couldn't open the movie? Couldn't open QuickTime. So you got a problem with QuickTime. Okay, That's yeah. The then the other thing, we're kind of going around doing a little diagnostic work on which one of the pieces of software are the ones that are the choke points, and that might be then that... And so one way, VLC. To, one way to deal with that is to... Um, uninstall QuickTime and reinstall right. it. Uninstall, power down, power back up, power back down for the second time, and then power up and then reinstall. And the reason we say that, especially for something like this, you know, it's supposed to, again, be able to take all remnants of QuickTime and then delete those, yeah. uninstall them. The problem is that if there's happens to be a file that's being used because it starts up in your startup menu or something like mm-hmm. that, you have to then close mm-hmm. down. And then when you start up again, it'll take and, and erase those because it can't start up because the um, 
the rest of QuickTime right. isn't there. So that's why we say clear it out for sure and then go back and reinstall. Final and you can reinstall it by going to you know support.apple.com and then Apple provides the QuickTime product and you can search support.apple.com and then search for QuickTime. Yeah, and just download. Well, there just you download it. Or the other thing would be to try the VLC player. I have it on my computer, my Mac, and use it just as an alternate. The way we talk about using alternate browsers. Right. Okay, Paul. By the way, send your question to us via email on our contact form, and Cal will take a look at that during the week as well. Back in just a moment with more of your questions at eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven. Pam in Portland. Thank you so much for joining us on our program. And by the way, don't forget the podcast is published. Generally speaking, on Sunday nights, I chuckle a bit because this last week with uh, my being in the cone of silence where we were camping, uh, we were not able to get the files to even be able to edit them. And uh, when I finally did get them, uh, it was Wednesday before I could edit them and get them up online. But the podcast did get published. And generally speaking, it's up there on uh, Sunday nights. Again, our number right now, 800-859-0957. Call us now and get some help right away. Like Pam from Portland. Pam, welcome to the show. What can we do for you? I've been thinking about downloading Windows 10. I have Windows 7 now. Mm -hmm. And I I know you're supposed to back up your files before you try that. So I have an external hard drive, Mm -hmm. WD, my passport. Good. And I thought all along that Everything was just automatically backing up, uh-huh. but um, I went into it by G, you know, under mm-hmm. computers, uh, right. my passport G file. Yeah. And when I look in there, there's nothing from 2016 in there. Mm. It's okay. The latest files are from November of 2015. I see. Okay. Ed? Well, what program are you are you using the Passport software to actually back up your data? And I, I imagine um, you are the software that came shipped on your Western Digital external drive. I, you know, once I plugged it in, I thought that's all I had to do, and I there's even stuff saved on here. From before I got the passport, you well, know, from uh, 2012. Mm-hmm. Well, and I don't know how that stuff got on there. So when you when you're looking at your passport, do you actually see yeah. a replica of all your data? Do you actually see a my documents folder, my pictures, my videos? Do you actually see those that folder yeah, structure? Yeah, all those files. Yeah, you should see in the root. Uh, Okay, and do you have a Western Digital program or a passport program that you can click on that just says, back up now, back up my data now? Um, you know, it should be on your taskbar or it should be I, in the programs files? I have an icon on the desktop that says my... My passport? Passport, but yep. when I click on it, it just says... Edit security settings. Edit settings. Enter your password. Yeah, you may have to reload the software. Yeah, I think so. And and that's usually on the root, if you will, or on the on the passport itself. You should have a a setup folder in there that you can reset up again. You might want to reinstall that software if you can't locate it 
on the external drive, you may have to go to Western Digital's website and 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 down and locate their passport, you know, backup software, download it from their website and run it again because that's one thing you want and you have to become familiar with it. That that software should be kicking off every day or mm-hmm. every night and uh-huh. and you should be familiar with the interface so that you know how to you know um, manually back up how how to confirm what files are backed up and and that would all be in the user manual that was yeah. shipped with the unit or in the in the instructions that was shipped with the drive do you have any of those instructions around pam there- no, they, they're online. Yeah, they're all yeah. electronic, okay. yes. Okay. Not, wait, I'm gonna- you know, but you might want to look at YouTube videos and see uh, if, if someone, if, if Western Digital or, or maybe a, a general user out there has created how to use Western Digital's My Passport. Yep, you know, and then yeah. and and that would probably help you a lot. Let, let's. I'm going to suggest that, Pam, because words. yeah, we're at kind of a basic place here, and I don't want to take the time uh, from some of the other people who are waiting because it'll take quite a while to explain it all. But what Ed said right now is so true. Go online to YouTube and try to find you know, and sometimes you can just simply ask the simple question: How do I back up my Western Digital Passport? Or how, how to use West? How to, how use, to use it? How to use Western Digital Passport? You and know. and you'll find a YouTube video that will explain the whole thing to you, Pam. Uh, otherwise, right. otherwise, what I would suggest you do then is to, uh, if you have any further questions, you hit that contact button on our homepage and send us an email, and we'll do our best to take a little more time with you later okay. on. Okay. Yep. Thanks so much, All Pam. Right. And I did us. find a, a dozen videos. There you go. So there's a dozen busy videos out oh. there to help you. And that is the good news, folks, by the way, with YouTube. It's it's so helpful, whether you're trying to fix yeah. a car or a, or a hard drive. You know, and I really do like thumbing through some manuals. Yeah. You know, there's nothing like the feel of paper, and you can <laughs> flip back and forth. And sometimes the electronic, Gary's probably going to roll his eyes. But, but you, you know. It is hard to, uh, to, to sometimes search. Um, so sometimes paper does work better. It does, you yep. know, especially when you're on a lounge chair on a beach. But, um, <laughs> but, the, but the benefit of electronic is that you can actually search, search. a document. And, I, yep. and you said that key word, search. Electronic documents are great for that. That's excellent. Yeah, so we're, There's room for both. It's interesting. In the course of the time we've been doing this, Gary, but more and more YouTube has become, really becoming a, a key place. They certainly right. have played bigger with theirs. Okay. And it's because people... You know, all contribute. It's not oh, yeah, just exactly. YouTube. Ed, Ed has said if he has to listen to another pimply teenager describing something to him about it was pimply faced teenager. Um. <laughs> God bless them. They know what's going on. Okay, eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven. Our number. Frank and Lavonia, how you doing? And how may we help you here at the Internet Advisor? Hello, gents. Um, a couple years ago, I installed a utility. You know, one of those. Do everything, be all everything utilities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe it was from if it was from IOBIT, and I think it was their advanced system care. Yeah, sure. Well, right after that, um, <clears throat> before that, I was in, always in the habit of putting putting my PC into hibernate mode, and next time I got back, I just push a key and it wake right up. But after installing those utilities, it wouldn't wake up anymore. Is this so I had to PC do a cold reboot with PC or Mac? PC. Yeah, I'm just not familiar with that software. As I get older, that's a problem that I have once in a while. <laughs> I just can't get up there. <laughs> um, I'll take more naps. Yeah. Okay, well, what, were the, uh, what was the software supposed to do for you? Was it supposed to, like, check for disk errors, defrag, yeah, right. you know, scan your system registry? And brush your teeth if you kept your mouth open. Well, I'm, I'm just guessing. I mean, there are a lot of them out there, and some of them were good. 
for Windows XP, Vista. Oh, yeah. But not so much with Windows 7 and Windows 8 No, you said it was IOBit. IOBit. Advanced System Care. Do you know if you can take and and, uh, get a newer version of that? Um, It's like it's it's tainted my... um, confidence in that program like well, I haven't well, gone no, back so here's the do reason. more but yeah. you can uninstall have you tried uninstalling it so here's the reason I, that I, I believe I have okay um, the reason it, that I I suggested is that you might install uh, they might have a fix this might have been a known problem and they have a fix for it and you go in and, and you get the newest version and it fixes the problem um, the other thing Ed said it just uninstall it you know, I went through this with some of the but Norton products. But you have to pro- not delete. Yeah, I went through this with some of the Norton products. I've been for a long time using uh, uh, Norton's, uh, uh, what was it? Um, so, Foster. And, and that, I'm at, I'm that at was the, 15 years ago. I know. you got to give it up. <laughs> okay, and I'm looking at IOBit. IOBit it's IOBit Malware Fighter. And you're right, it does it makes your PC faster. It's anti-malware. It updates your driver, and it cleans your PC. And and you might just want to reinstall over the top, and it might just fix any corruption that you might have in a file. And, and I'm not familiar with the product. I don't know. I'm sure it's legitimate. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of great utilities yep. out there that, that just, you know, have a very narrow focus and, and, and are good at it. I'm just not familiar with this product. Yeah. But if you're experiencing the problem, and if it's something, is, was it purchased or was it a free product? It was purchased and downloaded online, yeah, yeah. and I, re- I recall in one of your previous shows that it had been a while. I've been um, lax in trying to solve this problem. I've just been living with rebooting, rebooting from, from mm-hmm. a power-up that um, I thought you'd t- talked to someone with a similar, a similar problem mm-hmm. and that there was a fix through the registry or control panel, one of those avenues for, for PCs that would not wake up. I do vaguely recall something like that from an older program, but for the time, for right now, I think, I think, unless we we get something else uh, brought to our attention, that the the un- uninstalling it completely might be your best try right now. And then, if you want, you've got the license, right? Right. And you've got the registration. If you wanted, <laughs> doesn't sound like you would ever want to, but if you would want to reinstall, then you might be better off doing that. In other words. Yeah, Something's you know, gone haywire now. Yeah. Completely uninstall it, flush the system, and then yeah. if you want to... And, and then concentrate on what's going on. Is, is it refusing to wake up from sleep? Is it refusing to shut down? Is it crashing? And once you remove the software, then we could start looking at what are the symptoms now. And, there's okay. some, and there are some great posts out there. I just put, I obit, won't wake up. And yeah. uh, there's some great uh, posts in tech support forum of what to do, and other people are having the same problem. So I okay. obit won't wake up that may help you as well take care and right. uh, let us know what you do if you do get in a solution to that yeah there's step-by-step instructions a word of thanks to uh mike stats and to logan Stantifer for helping to make things happen behind the glass thank you so much folks and don't forget that on sunday nights i'll be publishing the show notes from this first hour and we'll have all the information about that lighthouse on man program the movie and also about Play Bigger, the book by Dave Peterson and about category design. They'll all be posted up there with links for you. And then you'll also be able to listen to some of the answers that we gave to the questions in this second hour of our program as well. And by the way, a quick hello to all of those of you listening to us on our affiliates in Lansing and Battle Creek and Grand Rapids and the Muskegon area. Thank you for making us part of your listening 
pleasure on the weekends. All right, uh, Gary and Ed, let's get back to answering some lines quickly as people are doing what I, I wish you would call in earlier so we can get you all on the air. Ron from Commerce Thomas, Commerce Township. What may we do for you, Ron? Welcome to the Internet Advisor. Thank you, thank you. Um, I have a HP wide format printer that all of a sudden I get an error message where it says the printhead appears to be missing, not detected, incorrectly installed, or incompatible. Hmm, really? So this is a wide format printer, right? and it is an inkjet that uses cartridges or laser? I'm sorry. Uh, cartridges. Okay. Is it uh, an HP manufactured cartridge or a third party? Yes. It no, is. No, I've been, I just use the HP in it. Okay. And um, I've tried turning it on and off. I've tried turning the computer on and off. I've tried relocate, reloading the cartridges. And I've even, um, 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 what do you call it, deleted the driver and reinstalled the drivers. Okay. How, how new of a printer this is? And the reason why I'm asking is, is sometimes with HP printers, a lot of them now have a, uh, um, a display an yeah, LCD type right, of display right. that you can start use set up diagnostics that type of right, thing. Right. So uh, yeah, it, but it doesn't seem to go past the error message. Uh, it's it's an older printer. I, okay. I'd say I've had it for about two or three years. That's that's, that's not that's very not old. old. No, no, and it should have a website. But isn't there a web address too? Usually for the each of the uh, printers. Yes. So it, it, um, is your printer connected USB or is it? Um, um, networked. Wireless. Wireless. Uh, USB. But do, oh. Now, does it support um, um, a wired connection or wireless? Um, wired. Oh, good. You, one thing that you might want to try, because obviously what you're doing is you're relying on the print driver software provided by HP on, on your connected USB, which is wonderful. But I have found with print with uh, these newer printers that they actually have a web address. They have web interface on them that you can open up a browser. So if you, if you can um, use your installation media to set it up so that it connects wirelessly to your network, then you, when, when you print your um, the diagnostic page or the configuration page for your printer, it'll give it the address. Your printer is 192.168.1.113, as an example. That's the address. You can go to your PC and type in that address, and then you have a your printer page. actually has a, a web interface mm -hmm. that you can then well, might be able to um, um, glean some further information out of. Right. Um, uh, what, what, one thing that's strange is. When I look up on my HP support assistant, yep. um, it gives me the serial number of the printer, Yeah, but it's not the serial number of the one that I have. It's a different one. Now, oh. I used to have one of these before, and I took my to my office, and then I replaced the one here at home, Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. which are exactly the same printer, but I don't know what the serial number is for the one at the office. Uh, you know, you might want to... Well, I'm not sure what's causing the error, but you might want to uninstall the HP software and reinstall it again yeah. from, you know, either downloading a brand what, new copy of the of that uh, printer installation or rerunning the setup yeah. that, that shipped with it. What what operating system are you running, Ron? Uh, 7, Windows 7. Yeah, well, that, I would just, just uh, you know, delete the printer. Have you tried it, just deleting the printer? Delete the printer it? and then going into programming features and uninstalling the HP you know, there'll be five programs that HP installs on there mm -hmm. for that printer. Not only right. the drivers, but and and remove it all. And as Gary says, shut down and reboot afterwards, and and then try to set it up again. This is a very strange problem that your printer is basically saying, 
you know, that it can't find the printhead. Um, yeah. Now, what and about, I've been using it. It's been working fine. But how about when you when when you have the printer disconnected, and and you're you're looking at the numeric or the or the LCD display? Do you have the ability for it to do a self test at all, or, or or, or I, I don't know. I've never done anything like that before. Well, usually you have the ability to hit the up arrows and menu, and and you should be able to have it do a you know print configuration page. Print. Font Does it have page. an LED screen on the front of it? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I think Ed's referring to. I have a, a little, uh, you know, an HP, uh, oh, PhotoSmart, and has an LED screen on it, and it has diagnostics on it. And I got that about uh, two, three years ago. Right. And, and the, it's a great place to go. You run the diagnostic, and the sheet will tell you exactly what is or isn't working. Yeah, but uh, unless it's giving him the error that basically says, if that LCD display says that you don't have a uh, printer, I mean, you're, that your printhead is gone. <laughs> yeah, the LCD display on that says exactly the same thing. As, as oh, red, it does. Red on my computer, yeah. I That's, am tempted to think then that there is an actual physical damage then to the printhead. Would you think it? Yeah, or contamination on the you know uh, on the electrical connections when you plug it in. Right. Right? We used to use alcohol or isopropylene to clean it up. You know, okay. to, uh, for the electrical connections when you when you dock it, there's that copper sided that has all those little minuscule. Yep. Yep. Connections. Yep. Um, have you got the old print heads you can just throw in there? At least it might say out of ink rather than no print head, right? Oh, you mean some old printers? Um, yeah. I, actually, yeah. I have some of the old ones. I haven't turned them in yet. Yeah. You might want to try that and see yeah. if you can force it to give you know the old error message, which is like out of toner. Okay. That, that way you can actually isolate to the problem of going, okay, it must be the print head or, you know, it's not my... It's not my printer. It's the print cartridge. Ed, do you know, are the print heads on the print cartridges, or are they separate from the print cartridges? Do HPs you know? are I, I couldn't tell you what well, they Ed, are. I think Ed knows. Go ahead. Well, I, I believe the the print heads are on the print with the ink. With the cartridge. With the cartridge. And that's what's nice. Yep. Yep. Because yep. Uh, I, I told you the story. I bought cannons with my kids, and, and over the summer, the ink dried up. Because and with cannons, you have, <laughs> they sell ink replacements and the um the heads are are always the same so they dried up so but one one thing that's strange is in the in the error message it actually mentions um that uh all the all the colors um print heads are missing or failed you know it doesn't just show one or two it shows all four cartridges Wow! Did you sneeze when you put those in? Or I'm just, I'm just wondering. I mean, it almost sounds like there is like there's a short in there. Like it's it's yeah. either the either the printer's gone bad. It's yeah. called planned obsolescence, right? Well, um, three years old. It could be. No, but not that young. I wouldn't say that. That's fairly young still for a printer. I mean, I've had ones wrong with the printer for a long, long time. I, we're we're guessing it's a mechanical problem. It's it sounds like it's. Connected to the cartridges. Yeah, I might try the old pull cartridges. Out, pull out the old, pull out these cartridges. Put the old ones in and see if you still have the problem. Right, and 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 if you do, I think your printer's gone. Uh, and I mean, I don't know what to say. Yep. Okay, well, well, there aren't that many people that do wide format printers anymore. I know, and it, well, it's, then then APHP should be able to do some help with the troubleshooting on that. But again, okay. we're we're suspecting that the problem is with the print heads, and uh, there may be a forum out there, for instance, on AP that can help you with uh, HP that can help you with that. But uh, okay. we run out of time right now. Send us an email. Let us know how this goes for you. Okay. Thanks so much for calling. And by the way, for the rest of you folks out there uh, who are calling in, there's Ron and Clausen and some of the other folks who are calling in. Simply go to internetadvisor.net and look for the contact us button that's on the top. 
and send us an email or go to the bottom of the page there and there's a comment section. You can put your question in there and give us your email address and we'll get to working on that as quickly as we possibly can. Thanks again to all of you there, Gary, and to Ed for being here. And the next time around, please, folks, call in a little earlier so we can get to your questions. Well, thank you very much for calling in and for helping us. Luke from Brooklyn, sorry we couldn't get to you. We'll try to do that through email. My name is Foster Brown, and on behalf of our crew here, thank you so much for making this a special weekend. And we'll see you back here again, once again, on the Internet Advisor next Saturday. You've been listening to the Internet Advisor Show, Detroit's longest-running, locally-produced computer show, with Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and our team of experts. For more information about our weekly show, to ask a question of our experts, or find the show notes for this podcast, visit internetadvisor.net. And look for us on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget to check the other great podcasts available on this podcastdetroit.com network. Thank you for listening.